0: WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Welcome back to Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and welcome to the first of a few off-season editions um, of the Hot Takes Wednesday podcast. Of course, I'm Dre. Good to see you. And, uh, well, we decided to take a little bit of a break from the usual format because who doesn't love a good list? And and I thought no better time to do one than now. So we'll still deviate from the normal format just in just a little bit, and I'll explain why in just a second. But I f- I first, I want to introduce my guest to this week's edition of the show. And you may remember him from the WTF on Rap we did earlier on in the season. He's back. He's the most dedicated Jacksonville Jaguars fan you will ever see on the <laughs> internet, and that that takes some doing. Um, <laughs> but they're actually good this year, so that's even better. It's Luke Howick um, from WTF on range and all-round excellent f1
1: content creator luke how's, how's it going buddy good thank you it's uh probably best not to mention the jags after uh last night but you know um
0: <laughs> yeah you know,
1: yeah uh, <laughs> i'm actually sat in my jags jersey so you know I'm, I'm supporting the boys but yeah no happy to do this i'm very excited for this one
0: yeah, me and me both. I mean, again, I wish I could comment on on NFL propositions right now, but you're talking to a New England Patriots fan, so the less said about me, the better. <laughs> this, the way, but all I'm saying is, this is probably like poetic justice for a lot of other fan bases in the NFL seeing us be two and ten right now. So um, you got me on this one, definitely. I'm uh, so looking forward. To, <laughs> again, mad excited to look forward. This is a very interesting one. So my idea for this week's episode of Hot Takes Wednesday was to do our top ten drivers of the year. This is always a fun list. Um, and the, the twist is, is that me and Luke do not know who each on, who is on each other's lists. Um, and, uh, we will be, uh, we'll go back and forth uh, between our 10 spots all the way up to number one. And we'll discuss, uh, who we think should be wearing our top 10 drivers of the year list. So this is going to be an interesting little back and forth between, uh, me and Luke, as we go up and down our lists. And we're just going to have a comparison and see, um, where uh, you can uh, where we've placed our certain drivers and that should be a very fun episode indeed don't worry the normal format will be back next week just so you know to to prepare yourself maybe for next week's show you can send them in on our Twitter account at WTF1 official look out for the uh, hot sauce bottle on next Monday's show or you can DM me on Instagram Dre Harrison WTF1 or you can email us at contact at WTF1.com all the hot takes get forwarded to me. So if you to do that for next week's show, feel free to do so in the meantime. Right before we get into the list, just letting you guys know, I've been grinding away on F1 Clash, and in their latest update, they've had the chance to add F1 legend Emerson Fittipaldi to your team. Emerson Fittipaldi is an outstanding driver who won two world championships of Lotus and McLaren, winning 14 times in his career, and even tried to start his own team in the 70s. At the time, he was the youngest world champion ever at just 25 years old. He even made it on both sides of the Atlantic, winning the legendary Indy 500 twice, including 1993 when he won it at the ripe old age of 46. Legendary drivers can be unlocked by playing the newly introduced collection Milestones reward track and amassing collection points. This track rewards players for upgrading their existing drivers and components, so the more they upgrade, the more rewards they can unlock. In order to unlock every legendary driver, all assets will first need to be upgraded to the max level. Other legendary drivers like Michael Schumacher, Sir Jackie Stewart, Alan Prost and more are available with even more legendary drivers coming in 2024. So if you want to experience the new wave of legendary drivers, download F1 Clash today. The link is in the description. Right. Luke, let's
1: get cracking on these lists. Do you want to go first or second? I feel like we should do, like, who's at number 10 each, who's at yeah. nine each, who's at eight each, okay. and why. So okay. it kind of builds up the suspense. I like that. who we've got.
0: No, Okay, that's, that's a sound idea. We'll do it your way. Okay, so
1: who do you have for number 10? At number 10, I have Alex Albon. Now, the reason Ooh. I put Alex Albon 10... It's because Williams finished, uh, I think, P7 in Constructors. Um, mm-hmm. They beat Alpha Towery, um, who brought a huge upgrade at the end of the year. Um, and Albon just was always there. It's, it was a very tricky car to, to drive. Um, I don't think it particularly likes having a lot of downforce. Um, and they are on the up, and he has been phenomenal this year. He was phenomenal last year. Um, and I think that there are some performances that go underrated. Obviously, beat his teammate in qualifying across the whole season. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think Albon is, is, a, is a shout out for top 10. I think he, he's absolutely excellent and drove really well this year.
0: I like it. I like it so much. I let you in a little secret. Albon is higher on my list than 10.
1: Ooh. Okay. So I, ha-
0: I have Albon, but I, I've actually, I actually think you might have undersold him a little bit. I was, I'll let him in a little secret. Albon is a name. I had at a certain number and I actually bumped him up at the last minute. You'll see, you'll see why later um on that one but no that's that's a very valid argument I like I, said, I completely agree because I had Albert even higher than you did so of course I'm in full agreement <laughs> with what you had to say um <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll talk about him a little bit more obviously when he when he comes up to my spot on the list but my number 10 uh is Pierre Gasly and mm-hmm. like the reason why is and is and it's, a, it's a bit of a convoluted reason but I promise I'll make sense in a minute I've always had doubts about Pierre Gasly because the quality of his diets I've often said has been bad. He's not had a great driver in the opposing side of the garage to see how good he is. Um, he debuted with Brendan Hartley, who again fantastic sports car driver, but not the best when it comes to F1. He went to Red Bull briefly, was curb stomped by Max Verstappen, that didn't go well. Did two years back at AlphaTauri with you know with Yuki Tsunoda debatable about how good or bad Sonoda's been in his time in F1. Um and yeah, basically he's gone to Alpine this year, had Esteban Ocon, who I think is a quality driver um in in that Alpine seat. And look, I think the point total is a little bit flattering with you know Gasly did beat out did beat Ocon on points straight up. But I think overall he's gone into a good quality team, brand new car. Uh, never driven it before, and I think has held his own against a very solid opponent. Opponent driver in Esteban Ocon in that seat got a podium finish um, in Zandvoort, had a sprint podium in in Belgium as well. And I just think overall this is this has been his best season in F one, and I wanted to give him some credit for that. Um, I think it's it's he's had a bit of a ropey career to this point, and I think this was the first year for me that's really proved that. Um, yeah, okay, Gasly is genuinely quite good and he's here to stay in F1 and yeah that's why i had gasly at 10
1: uh yeah that's fair enough gasly didn't make my list oh, okay. um but um he yeah he he was good i think definitely like under the radar because when i was building the list it didn't even cross my mind that gasly even you know, got a podium and and drove really well um, hmm. and i think that he had some fantastic results and obviously had a battle with Esteban, who as you say is a great teammate so yeah that's a solid 10
0: yeah I'd like to think so um, but uh, yeah <laughs> solid 10 indeed okay so what do you uh, what who did you have at number 9 then?
1: This is, the, this is where it gets controversial okay I have got George Russell at number 9 <laughs> um, so for me George had a very mediocre season. Um, Obviously lost the battle in the race with Lewis. I think the last couple of races, definitely we saw the better of George Um, was really quick in Vegas, was, was on it in, in Abu Dhabi um, from P1. And, but I think that across the season, there've been some results where George, you know, Canada, where he made a mistake on his own Singapore, when he was fighting for the win, just drove into the wall. Um, And I think that Russell, has a high level of where he can reach uh, in F1. Obviously, naturally, the car isn't, you know, fantastic. But I feel like individually, Russell hasn't clicked as well with the car as well as Lewis did um, post-Monaco when they brought that big upgrade. And I think that Russell started to claw back at the end of the year. But in terms of his standards, I don't think it was, you know, up there. Um, And that's why I put him at number nine.
0: Okay, that's interesting. I'll I'll let you in the little secret again. George Russell didn't make my list. That's fair enough. Again, I I think you've been more generous than I have about George. I I completely agree, again, with everything you're saying here. George last year did well enough to keep Hamilton honest, and that is about as strong a praise as I can give George Russell for 2022. Um, Yes, there was a little bit of safety car-related luck at the start of Hamilton's season, and I think many people know that Hamilton you know, was taking extreme setups in the first half of that season to try and figure out their porpoising problems. Um, but no matter which way you cut it last year, George Russell was very good. He was, you know, more than a match for Hamilton in qualifying. They were very, very close on average and head to head. And they were, they were again this year. I think they split it 11-11 head to head between the two of them. So again, George overall lap is, is very, very good. But in race trim this year, George by his standards, like you said, I think he's underperformed this year. There is signs of life. Like you said, I think he, he think he did kick on towards the end of the year. He looked a bit better. Vegas was was very solid. I think he saved the best drive of his year to the end, Abu Dhabi, where he, again, a, a legitimate podium, very, very good drive. When Hamilton just didn't show up that weekend, just, just wasn't on it that weekend. And it's proof that again, George at his best can can genuinely beat Lewis straight up without any, without any issues. But over the course of the year, he was well off form compared to Lewis. And I'm almost certain that we're going to have Lewis very high up on our respective lists. So uh, we'll, we'll see the comparison, but uh, no, I'm I, I could see an argument why Russell might be towards the bottom end of that top ten, but he he didn't make mine in 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 general. Funnily enough, so yeah, I That's think fair enough. Yeah, um, my number nine was Esteban Ocon, so I've gone for both alpines in in the bottom end of the top ten again. I think Ocon's season looked a little bit worse than I think it deserved because he had seven DNFs on the year he led, he led the sports in did not finishes um, across 2023. Um, And I'm looking and running through them all in my head. I think only one was really his own doing. And that was really Bahrain where that was, I think Alpine giving up more than if it was all the penalties he'd already taken uh, in that race for the grid spot. And then the pit stop error and all of that nonsense. Like Ocon, did have a couple of howlers like the, the Austria one with all the time penalties and the, the, like it's become like an internet joke. This is a penalty for Ocon, etc. <laughs> <laughs> which, which you know, is fair. But I just, I just think Ocon's just a really damn solid driver. Like he doesn't have bad years in F one anymore. He's just there, consistent, solid. I think he would have beaten Gasly on points um, if it wasn't for. the the DNFs that weren't on him. I mean, he was caught up in so much nonsense that wasn't on him, like Hungary when he was hit by Joe and that opening incident, the technical DNF at Silverstone, the steering breaking in Hungary. There is so many that Ocon's been caught at, and I think it's made his whole season look worse than it actually is. I think sneakily, I think Ocon's had quite a good year. Um, It's hard to evaluate because Alpine were in the middle of no man's land this year when it comes to F1. The, The top five are clearly the top five Alpine was a complete outlier in sixth because but they were still way better than the bottom four teams um so it's really kind of hard to evaluate where Alpine's at but my gut was telling me to put Ocon at nine so I've gone the two Alpines 10 and 9 on this one I think they just I could put it in a nutshell the drivers were not the problem with the team this year it's it was literally everything else um <laughs> which i mean this is a team that had stories about being being 30 horsepower down they sacked their team principal midseason. Yeah, mm. uh, um, you know, let's not forget. Um, the, like their CEO was absolutely torched by Adam Frost saying it was a it was the Dunning Kruger effect, which I think is one of the most hilarious things I've ever heard. Adam Frost quoting that business phrase to describe Lauren Rossi. Um, they had to sell a chunk of their team off um the reliability's not been great i mean alpine's been a messy team but the, again i think the drivers have been good very good i think it's a very underrated lineup in general and i i wanted to give them their due by putting them 9 and 10 so that's how i've got it personally
1: that's uh that's fair enough i can't argue with your reasoning i i just feel that there has been some outstanding drivers this year sure. who uh who uh, uh but uh, you know alpine potentially you know, new investors now. Hopefully, they can make some strides. But I do fear that the fact that they're down on their power unit, I don't know if they'll ever be able to um, come back to the uh, to fight with the the, the guys in the, like McLaren and uh, mm. and Aston Martin. They just seem to be in the middle of nowhere, really.
0: Yeah, like the, the Alpine was just such an a wasteland kind of team where they weren't truly terrible, but given they were fourth last year and they're now sixth, and they were a distant six. Um, Yeah. Like there's not a lot that's really gone well for that Alpine team. And look, I've got a feeling some of my, a couple of my honorable mentions will creep up in your list. If, if the Alpines didn't make it. So um, I'm intrigued. Who do you have at eight?
1: Another controversial one for me. Um, Go on. I, I do feel that we're going down this route. I have Carlos Sainz. In number eight, interesting. Um, I'll tell you
0: why it's interesting in a minute, but um, go.
1: So, off. I want to hear your reasoning. For me, Carlos just had like one of those years where he there was just some good races where he was strong, and then there were just some races where it was like what, like you know, for example, Vegas. Um, he had a yeah. horrific start in Vegas. Uh, obviously, you know, with no thought of his own getting a uh, terrible drain damage, but then uh, uh, obviously going over the drain and then. Um, destroying his car but i just feel charles had sort of the edge um, i don't actually know what the the um the um uh gaps were in qualifying in terms of the head to head um but it I just want- was
0: one of those i want to say it was 15 7 leclerc this season
1: yeah um charles was you know on pole position quite a few times um, challenging for the win quite a few times you know arguably should have um potentially won in vegas um had some had some things gone his way carlos had some great performances in monza um which was obviously you know great for the tifosi just one of those seasons where i kind of just feel that just charles just had the upper edge on him um and uh i yeah i, I feel like he's definitely deserved to be in the top eight but no higher for me i just i just don't think it was carlos this year this year
0: interesting you mentioned that you'll you'll find out why in about five minutes time um, Ooh, so interesting! if if, the, if that should be an inkling as to what's about to happen because uh he's not my number eight but he's very close to that and i think it's i think as i'll explain this for similar reasons this is probably my most controversial selection
1: i have oscar piastri at eight. Ooh, okay that is okay that is quite controversial I, this and I was like, which
0: one would the internet most go nuts about if I posted this online? And I had Piastri at eight. And look, I need to stress this before the Papaya Army comes after me. This is an excellent rookie season. Like, I I, I cannot stress this enough. But my first bit of logic when I came to form in this list was, how high can I put up a guy who was still fundamentally beaten by his teammate?
1: Because we yeah, all know I mean, you do, that, that's a that's a very valid point. That's a very valid point,
0: right? It's like like I know some people that have comfortably put Piastri in their top five, and I'm sitting here going, but Norris was still comfortably better than him this year. Now, don't get me wrong, like look like I I'm glowing in Oscar Piastri. This is this is still a very very good spot for him in my opinion. Look, in terms of raw pace and raw speed, massively impressed. He is on a very similar path to Lando Norris in terms of raw outright pace. If anyone's ever played F1 manager, I've said this before in this show, but if you ever take Piastri in the video game, he's got a 91 pace stat. That is absolutely valid if you transfer that into real world Formula 1 for you FIFA style players out there. (laughs) In terms of raw speed, he's excellent. I still have a couple of concerns about Oscar. I'm a little bit concerned he's a bit too safe when it comes to racecraft, and I'm a little bit concerned about his tyre management I think that's his I think that's still his biggest weakness as a driver because over long stints I think he struggles to look after his tires compared to Norris. And I think that's what hurts him in certain races. I don't think it's a coincidence his best race was Qatar, a race that had no tire wear. It was a mm. it was a was a 50 odd 50 lap sprint effectively. That's what he said after the race. He did they did a fifty-five qualifying laps or something like that because <laughs> um because of the safety measures they put in place, it was a glorified sprint, only over a three hundred and five kilometers. I don't think it's a coincidence that was his best race in F1 because he didn't. Have to worry about tyre saving. He could just push all the way through. And in that element, I think he's fantastic. He needs a little bit of refinement. But again, I cannot stress <laughs> this is excellent for Piastri. Like he, he's only going to get better. I have no doubt about that in my mind. I just think because he still lost both head to heads quite comfortably against Lando Norris, I, I'm i limited in how high I could put him because obviously. And I'm sure it's the same for you. Norris is is much higher up my list. And, you know, like, I guess Piastri being a rookie does give him obviously some degree of mitigation. But I looked at my list last minute and I thought, he's a little too high. I'm going to put Piastri at eight. Um, again, for, for what it's worth, uh, Norris 15-7 in qualifying and 17-5 in races this year. When you're on that side of a losing matchup, how high can I really put you? And that's the only reason why he's at eight. Um, it may sound harsh, but I'd like to think there's some method to my madness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't come after me, Norris fans. Or any, anyone <laughs> who's a McLaren fans, please. Um, forgive me. I I I can understand and ra- and f- feel the the point. Um may I don't I don't agree, but Fair. It's it's a it's a valid point, um, yeah. I, I will explain where Piashy places in mind when we get to him. Yeah, I I had a feeling
0: he might be higher. So who have you got at seven?
1: This is I feel like this is another controversial one. Uh, I've got Sergio Perez, which I think being seventh is actually quite high. I was when I do I keep rejigging my list every time I, I look at it. I'm, I'm keeping changing it because I'm not. 100% sure. But he Perez didn't make seven. my
0: list. <laughs> so,
1: And honestly, I was half tempted to just completely not put him in. But second in the championship, um, obviously won a couple of races this year. Um, and um, there were times when he looked very strong in that car. But then there was also the fact he was in a battle with Lewis Hamilton for second in the championship and Lewis didn't win a race. I think I mentioned that on, on the, the rap show that I was on, that we're talking about a battle with one of the most dominant cars in Formula 1 and a car that is fundamentally nowhere near and there's a battle for second in the championship. That should not be happening, regardless of what people say about the setup or whatever. Paris should be comfortably being able to finish ahead of a car that is not that close across the season. There may be times when Mercedes are definitely close for sure. So that is why Perez is seven for me. I think he's had a season to forget, for sure. I don't think it's been his best season. I'm I am personally shocked that they're going into 24 with him. Um obviously, you know, it makes the most logical sense. But for me, it's just one of those ones where he just he just seemed to be nowhere really. Quite big gaps to Max. Um, and, you know, going out in Q2, uh, you know, I think he went out in Q2 in Abu Dhabi. So, Perez, I feel like the more I think about it, 7 is quite generous for Perez, <laughs> but I've gone for him at number 7.
0: Yeah, as I said, I, I didn't have Checo on my list, and I just felt like he left far too much on the table, to, you know, given the car that he's in for me to put him up on the list at all. Um, look, he did have moments. I will not deny you that. I, I can I can maybe just about form an argument that he might be a 9 or 10. And I could say, okay, I don't think he was dreadful all year long. I think up to Miami, I think he was actually driving quite well. Um, I think Australia was a bit of an outlier. Um, obviously, the two wins in, in Baku and, and Saudi Arabia obviously are worth something um yeah got a was a little bit fortunate that max had to come through the field there but baku was a genuine win on merit held max off the whole way through you know look if he does that every if he does that once every four or five rounds no one's complaining about his job you know if he if he if he racks up podiums if he had like 17 or 18 of those over the season no one's complaining about his job we I think we've we know he's not for and that's okay he doesn't have to be um we I think we probably would have wanted him to be given this was clearly a one-car championship for, pretty much from the start but <laughs> I, I I can I can see maybe a nine or ten I can't get there on seven I think that's wild um because I think The amount of Q2 and Q1 eliminations in the middle of the season, just the rough, like 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 the rough days, like Qatar, where he was lapped, and just he did right the ship a little bit back towards the end of the year. I think the last three or four races, he was back to somewhere where he, near where he should be. Um, he was unlucky not to be on the podium in Abu Dhabi because I, I don't think that was a penalty on Norris. I think that was a bit of rub in his racing. And I, 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 If if, there, if it's not for the penalty, he likely finishes third, and I think that would have been fine. Um, but I, I, I can't get there on speeds That's a bit spicy even for me. Um, to follow on from that, I've also got, I had, I had Carter signs at seven. You mentioned him at the eight sport. I had him at seven. Similar reasons, really, like you said. Um, for me, <sighs> A, 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 the most common take in my Hot Takes inbox I've had all year is that Carlos Sainz is the better Ferrari driver and I'm sorry, listeners. No, 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 I, no, no. I just can't get there on this. I, I've never gotten there. No, Charles, no, no, no. Charles Leclerc is special. He's a fan, he, is. he is a fantastic driver. He really is. A, I think there's been a lot of narrative Playing with Leclerc, where it's like he it makes one big mistake a year and people act like he's some sort of bottler. He is not Tottenham, okay? He is a chip. Oh, 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 oh. I said that out loud. <laughs> Again, as a United fan, I can't comment. But look, at the moment, like, signs is good, he's fine. But he's not Leclerc. Okay. He like I think he had a couple of the big moments this season towards the end for Ferrari. Obviously, that Monza weekend was he was great there. He got that pole was on the podium, fought like his life depended on it. I mean, you know we, we like that. We respect that. It's it's great to see it firsthand. Obviously, the Singapore wing uh, win is going to well, stand yeah, out. That. Yeah, of course. I mean, he's the only guy who drove a car that wasn't blue yeah. that won a race this season. Um and, and yeah, that was obviously a fantastic drive. But I think over the course of the year, I still think Charles Leclerc is better, um, and I think the back end of the season, once Ferrari put in their big floor upgrade, Leclerc was was dominating him. Leclerc was just in the top five every week and was, again, was a genuine threat for the win in Vegas. Drove incredibly well there, and where was Signs in the midfield because he can't handle his hard tires? And hmm. Abu Dhabi, the one round where you wanted Signs to step up and a tight fight for second in the constructors. Signs was awful. He, like, he, was stu- he was stuck in 16th the whole race long and then couldn't make any ground. And then they parked him at the end because it was pointless, even going for a fastest lap attempt. They were waiting for a safety car that never came. Um, no, yeah. I, 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 I can't get there on Carlos. Look, I think Carlos is very good. I think this was a solid season from Carlos. All the talk I'm hearing about Charles Leclerc being team leader is justified, in my opinion. He's your number one. Leclerc needs to be the number one, and I'll get to him a little bit later on because he is higher up on my list than seven. But for me personally, I think signs. I think me and you have... I've got very similar logic. And yeah, you had him at eight. I've got him at seven, more or less the same. A good season. I wouldn't necessarily call it an outstanding one. So I've got Mm. him there. Who do you have at six?
1: I have the man you put lower down. I have Oscar Piastri at six. Okay. Now... For me, you know, yes, the head-to-heads glorify it. Sure, he did win a sprint. Yeah,
0: he did absolutely. win a sprint.
1: Uh, I believe he took a sprint pole um, in Qatar. Um, yes, he did get annihilated in terms of the head-to-heads. But to jump into a car, the bearing in mind at the start of the year was nowhere. Terrible in testing, going up against a guy who's been in Formula One for you know going into his fifth season, um, one of you know Britain's generational talents, and he was there. You know, Lando, there were some races where Lando was just too good. Uh Japan is 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 the highlight the for me one. when yeah. is it's when Oscar just his tires, he just killed them. But for a rookie to come into F1 and to perform the way he did to put the car where he was able to, to, you know, the fact that he even won a sprint race for me is a, is a, is a huge win for Oscar. No one expected that um, to happen. And he was, he was able to, you know, to, to fight with Lando. um, And he was able to, you know, there are times when Lando, you know, made a mistake, Qatar final corner, running, right, running, Mm -hmm. running wide. Um, Then you've got, Abu Dhabi, when he had that huge snap coming into the hotel section, Oscar just just, just churned away. He just continued to chip away at it. Um, and I think he had a fantastic season. Scored the most amount of uh, podiums uh, for a rookie since uh, Lewis Hamilton, I believe. Um, I think, or points, one of the two. It was podiums, um, He actually he had two. Yeah. The
0: um, Japan and um, then Qatar back-to-back, back, the third and the second there. Yeah,
1: so, you know, arguably the best rookie we've had since Hamilton. Um, I know a lot of people I know a lot of people have been have been regarding people get touchy about um, that. And <laughs> I just think that yeah, it's it's a, it's a tricky one. But I think that Piastri performed so well for somebody who had never raced at some of the circuits that we've been to just eased into a weekend and was able to put the car in places. Don't get me wrong. He had some absolute you know, horrible and horrible races. But I just think that for a rookie to, to, to be where he was and um to be able to keep McLaren in that fight for fourth, uh, was very well.
0: Look, if you lean on the positives of Piastri, I can totally see why Um, he could be as high as six. Like, I openly admit I was being harsh in my pick because my I'll let you in the little secret. I originally had Piastri at six and I moved him down to eight to bump my number six up at the last minute, and that was was Alex Albon. Oh, okay. I, I origin I originally had Albon at eight. I wanted to I gave him a bit of a bump last minute because of just quality of car. The Williams is just nowhere near the McLaren. And I, I think Alex Albon drove his nuts off this year. I really I wanted to give him, you know, high praise because Williams has been terrible. They've been the worst team in F1 for four of the last five years. Um and Again, as a side note, shout out to James Vowles. who's done a fantastic job as team principal this season to get them up to seventh place. First year on the job. That's uh, in- incredible work from him and the Williams team. They didn't have a technical manager. They had to rebuild that team from the ground up when he first took it on. Um, I, I've used this quote before on the pod, and I'll use it again. I remember when they were interviewing Alex Albon in, in Bahrain in preseason testing, and he said, we just want to be a better last That's literally what he said Mm. going into the season. To come out seventh is a phenomenal effort and it's almost solely on him 27 out of the 28 points they got this year came from Albon and just some phenomenal drives Canada where he had to defend against a quicker cars behind him. We all know the Alpine, the McLaren were way quicker than Williams over the course of the season. Monza was another one where they were just up there and Albon was able to defend like his life depended on it. Um, just that Williams had no business being in the points point seven times this year. Like that is a, a massive turnaround for a team that has struggled and struggled and struggled for, for many, many years. Of course it helps that, he swept Sargent in qualifying over the other full 22 nothing donut, 19 free in races. That's, I mean, I'm not adding too much more, treating to that because Logan is a rookie and you kind of expect to beat a rookie. Sargent wasn't like a, a, a Russell or a, a Norris or a Leclerc coming through. He wasn't one of those like, oh my God, can't miss talent um, sort of drivers when he came into F1, but... Albon has been the big galvanizing force behind a bit of a Williams resurgence. And I wanted to give him um, a fair amount of credit for that. So I had Albon at six for that reason. And like I said, I must admit it was a last minute decision. I was going to have him at eight. I swapped in with Piastri at the last minute. <laughs> um, I'm still not hundred percent sure how I feel about that, but I, I, I think I'm happy with it. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Albon six. Uh, I, I might be a little high, but I I, I think given the quality that uh, that he brought to Williams this year, I, I wanted to reward that by putting him a little bit higher up than my gut feeling initially told me. So I, I have Albon at six.
1: Fair play. You can't really disagree with your reasoning. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's fair enough. So my <clears throat> number five.
0: I've got a feeling we're going to have the, the same five I, names I, here. I but, feel like we will, it but just maybe will be a in different a different order. order. Yeah. yeah. So he, he's so he got a five.
1: I've got Fernando Alonso. Now, okay. Fernando Alonso started the season unbelievably. Mm. Um, I think that he performed; he had, was outperforming the team so well in in what was ended up being a really disastrous season for Aston Martin. Turning up to pre season testing, all the hype over the winter season that they'd they'd fix their car and that they were coming into this year with with really high hopes. Um, that they could potentially challenge Red Bull. And that's exactly what they did. Aston Martin were the second fastest team. Until about Canada, they brought in an upgrade and it just went downhill. Um, or maybe Canada may, might have been the Silverstone. One of the two races, they just went downhill. But Alonso didn't. He drove his absolute socks off. He was consistent. You know, Stroll was like last. I believe there was a stat mid-season where Alon- where. Strolls like highest qualifying was like 15th, 14th. Mm. And Alonso's getting into Q3. Alonso's putting that car in a position to score really good points. Inevitably, it wasn't enough to hold off McLaren. And I think the reason that the reason is is that I feel just like Alonso had a really solid season through no fault of his own. The car just went downhill. And despite that, he was able to. You know, really keep that car pushing, um, and uh, being able to score really solid points, getting into Q3, completely wiping the floor with Lance. Um, so I've gone for Alonso P5.
0: Interesting, for the for very similar reasons, I've got Alonso higher than five for that for that, and I'll I'll get to him when I get to him. Um, for what I'll, I'll say as a disclaimer before I reveal my number five, two through five are very close.
1: Yeah, it could be either or.
0: I I think you could have the next four names. I'm I'm almost certain what the other three names we're going to mention here in a minute. I think you could have them in just about any order and and, and entertain an argument. I I think there's reasons you could put any of these next four people between two and five, and I wouldn't argue with you. I've got Charles Leclerc at five. And... I think it's only because the start of his season was so patchy. And to be fair, that's not on him. Not really. Like the Bahrain, the electrical store screw up was horrible for him. He, that was a podium taken off the board and it hurt his Saudi Arabia because they had to take a grid penalty for that too. But this is more for the back end of the year. Like I, I kind of have to take the results at face value, but I think it's very harsh on Charles because... Back half of the year, I think he was really, really solid. I think around Italy onwards, I mean, he goes four, 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 fifth. Then the disqualification in Austin was unfortunate. Again, that wasn't on him. That was his team screwing up. I think he was. I think he could have been um, good for you know maybe a, a, a top, a, you know, a, a top four or five finish. Um, Yes, I think there there was another just just he was just so consistent at the end of last season that like I said I I almost wanted to put him high. I think just I think w- one other driver in this block did a little bit more when they were struggling than Charles did, and I think maybe the matchup with Carlos as well played into this a little bit. Like I said, it's a really tough call. I had to put someone here in five, and I and I went with Charles. Um, I think it would be harsh no matter which name of the following block I put in five. But I've I've gone Charles on this one. But again, I think you could have him as high as second or third, and I think there's an there's an argument for
1: it. But uh, I, I any right, one again... of these top five, you yeah. can have in any. Bar, obviously number one, yeah. The the top four, the five, five, four, three, and two. You could literally have any order. Any valid reason would be enough. Um, so it's just obviously personal opinion i agree i i think it's
0: it's 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 a it's a toss-up in my opinion and like i i I could i could go back now and swap them and i think again i'd be happy with it either way but my gut is just telling me i think charles is at five because i think ferrari were a little bit stronger in terms of car down the stretch and i think the other people above him had slightly weaker machinery for more. And I think that's my gut telling me to have Leclerc at five. But again, this is very close. Mm, Um, Who have you got at four then? Because you had Alonso five. So who have you got four? At number
1: four, I have Sir Lewis Hamilton. Um, Wow. Okay. Number four. Um, Very underrated season for Lewis. Uh, Six podiums, was in the points 20 times um, across the year. Uh, Obviously had a DNF in... um, guitar which was his fault but then obviously he was super strong in austin albeit the disqualification i think that lewis is kind of he went under the radar this year um finishing p3 is fantastic finishing p3 but also being in contention to finish second in a car that didn't win a race got a brilliant pole position in in hungary which you know was fortunate to see with my own eyes um and i just feel that lewis had a great a great season that is limited with the machinery that he has. Um, again, even when I'm explaining it, I feel like those could potentially go into the top three. Um, I just feel that Lewis did have some races. Abu Dhabi. He was, he was not on it uh, in Abu Dhabi. Not sure what was going on. I think they got the setup wrong, but he was, he was, he was adrift and he had a lot of what if races um, in uh, Vegas. What if, he didn't have contact with Oscar Piastri. He had the pace, um, obviously, at no fault of his own. But for me, Lewis goes in fourth.
0: I had him a bit higher. Um, I, I, that I think that's the harsher end of where you could have put Lewis. Um, but again, like I said, this is such a toss-up that... I, I, I thought, and I know you're a bit of a Hamilton man, because so I'm actually quite <laughs> impressed you fed on your own sword a little bit by having him fall. <laughs> I thought you were going to have him in the same spot that I've got him in, which I'll get to in a moment, because uh, my number four is Lando Norris.
1: Okay.
0: And it it, it is a, this is an interesting one, because with Lando and McLaren, it's such a tale of two seasons job, where until Austria, McLaren were terrible. Norris got that Austria upgrade first. He always goes well around Austria. He finished fourth that weekend, and it was like, okay, they might have something here. They get to Silverstone, and it's it's a completely different car. (laughs) It's, It's Like, all of a sudden, McLaren go from having maybe the sixth best car to the second best car almost overnight. It's outrageous. And then after that, Lando Norris finishes second six times. Six. I know the jokes are that it's Lando no wins and all that, but it's actually quite remarkable that he finished in second six times um, throughout the back half of the season, uh, had seven podiums in general. I think, again, because of the mess of some other teams around them, I think that's why I've got Norris at four compared to the two names I've got above him. But this is Dando's best season comfortably in F1. And I I think he's now put himself in the driver's seat to be the next Verstappen rival. If McLaren can keep it this trajectory, they are, I think right now they are the second best team in formula one. Um, I think they have the overall second to third best car. I think between them and Ferrari at the moment, I think they're very close. Um, I think Ferrari did find some late season form. Certainly. Um, but I, I think Lando has spearheaded a really, really strong McLaren insurgent in second half of the year. You're right. You mentioned you mentioned earlier. I, I there is qualifying concerns a little bit. He has made some errors there, not massive ones. I think like you know a, a two tenth mistake here, a three tenth mistake there. Obviously, the Qatar qualifying session was a big one. Abu Dhabi, where he almost lost it at the hotel complex. Um, you know. He, I think lando is his own worst enemy sometimes where i think he's very harsh on himself for you know he's not writing off cars regularly The only one that was a a big one was vegas really and even then there's some degree of mitigation over the car bottoming out it it can happen you know it's just one of those things on cold tires i think land i think lando is very harsh on himself because he's i think he's an exceptional driver i really do and i've If he can, like, he's at an eleven on that sort of base stereo you get. If he if he turns himself down to a nine, I think he could be someone that I think the win will come next year. If if this keeps up, it will happen. He's, He's too good not to. He's putting himself in that position week in and week out. Where if something happens with Max, or if they have a bad day, Norris can punish him. Unfortunately, that day never came for Norris this year um, because no. because we all know Max was just that good um, and Singapore was the only other one and in Singapore, it was kind of impossible to pass that Ferrari given how powerful it was in a straight line. But overall, I think Lando is exceptional and... Again, if you if you put him second or third, I wouldn't argue. I know two of my colleagues at WTF one. One, I think I think Charlie had Norris second, which again is completely
1: understandable in, in my opinion. So, yeah, I've got Norris four, and just like that, I have Norris third. Um so on, my man. <laughs> I uh, I yeah, everything that you said really. Um, I think Norris' best season in Formula One was. Really underrated performances. I believe Spain was before Austria. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, where he? No, it wasn't. Was it? Was Spain before Austria this year?
0: I believe it was. Yes, yeah. so a couple of rounds so, before.
1: P3 in qualifying in a car that you know. I I remember very early on in preseason testing, making a video of when Will Buxton said that Lando punched a wall because he was so frustrated with the, with the car. Mm. Um, so it's, it's perfectly spot on what you said, Taylor two ends of the season, but I believe that's that of the only uh, driver to score more points than Red Bull was Lando Norris. You know, the amount of times he was in the shot for the pole position, the amount of times he could have got a pole position. I think him and Lewis fourth or third, it could be either or really, um, Uh, I think that Lando had the edge um, and if anyone was going to win, it was going to be Lando. But unfortunately that just never happened because Carlos played the absolute incredible DRS strategy um, in Singapore. Um, And I think, yeah, the win is coming for Lando. It's only a matter of time. Um, He's been super unlucky. And I think this year, um, if he can just sort out, it seems to be like the, the really high pressure moments, you know, like the, the two that we've mentioned. Um, but yeah, since Austria, flawless season, uh, really. Um, arguably, if he had that length of the season from the beginning, if they had that car from, from Bahrain, he could be even higher. Um, but yeah, P3 for Lando. 200 and, 205 points for Lando on the year. He was
0: one point out of fourth. Sixth is a really harsh look on Norris' this season in the driver standings because he was one point off that Alonso Leclerc break. Um, it's it's incredibly harsh for the back half of the year that Norris had. B he, he had to make up he had to make up that enormous deficit because my man at number three had an incredible start, and that was Fernando Alonso. I had Alonso at three. So <laughs> um six podiums out of eight to start off the year. And look, Dan Fallows deserves a lot of flowers because that man built a hell of a car to start the season. That was like, it was almost like, I don't know if you got this same feeling, Luke, when the season started in Bahrain. There was obviously a lot of hype about Aston Martin going in. They had a very strong test. Um, people were like, "Oh, like on, these guys could be cooking here. Like, this could be, this is a team that was seventh last year, and they're looking like they could be challenged for podiums. I didn't quite believe it until we actually saw the race pace of that car. And then when Alonso sends it down the inside of Hamilton into turn 10, I'm like, holy crap, this is real. Um, <laughs> it was just, that was, that was my impression. I was like, okay, Aston Martin have arrived. Holy hell. Um, and yeah, Alonso would go onto podium that day and he'd have six podiums to start out of the year. I still remember he probably should have won in Monaco. That was Aston Martin's horrible strategy call where they put him on another pair of of slicks when Inters was clearly the play. Oh
1: yeah, oh if, yeah, that was awful. If
0: they, if they put Inters <laughs> on that car, Alonso probably wins that race. Yep. And and that would have been, what, Alonso's first win in 10 years. That would have been an incredible moment for Aston Martin. That was the win that they probably should have had when Vettel was there at, at Hungary that year. Um, look, very similar reasons to what you said with Alonso earlier. Just extracting the maximum out of this car. Even
1: more. We, even, even more also, so. Yeah, week in,
0: week out. I completely agree with what you were saying, where it was almost like this was a team that lost its way about halfway through the season. They had an incredibly strong starting car. And then when they came to upgrades, they just got completely spat out in the development race. Mercedes, Ferrari and McLaren were all just so much stronger when it came to their upgrade packages. And then Aston Martin got kicked to the curb to a degree. And it was ironic that reverting back around Austin, Mexico kind of time, that seemingly brought a bit of the old mojo back for Aston Martin. where all of a sudden Alonso gets, gets on the podium in Brazil. Stroll had, a, had some of his better drives at the end of the season, um, like Vegas and that, and, 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 and whatnot, like Stroll had a, a little bit of a, uh, a bit of a saving grace towards the end of that season. But no, I, I'm completely with you on that Luke for extracting the max out of that. I mean, Alonso barely put a foot wrong all year. Um, like, like, the, the Belgian sprint was probably the most egregious error he'd made all season. Just, again, maybe the Vegas spin on, on lap one as well. But even then, he still got back into the points, um, which is not a bad, not a bad job uh, at, at all. Al- Alonso just like, this was the season that reminded everybody, no, Alonso really is still this good, even though he's 42 years of age now, um, because he had a lot of, decent middle in times at you know alpine for example but you give him a quality car and he delivers and alonso massively impressed me this year he is still one of the very best in the world today and yeah alonso mad impressive he was my number 3 so by i'm going to assume by my deductive reasoning luke that you've got charles leclerc at number
1: 2 i do indeed yeah. i do indeed maybe because i have a soft spot for for charles entirely uh... fair I, I I do really I think he had a very strong season and obviously was on pole so many times. I think the last like five races, six races, he qualified in the front row um in in all of them so first or second a lot across the qualifying in the last couple of races and I think that that car was not good. It was not strong for Ferrari times. They were second fastest times. They were fourth. He did really good at, you know, dominating his teammate. And I think that he had some really unlucky moments, you know, obviously the hydraulics failing in, in Brazil. Um, He obviously had some, some interesting strategy choices as well. That's always the case with Ferrari, but I just think Charles is that guy, you know, he just, every time something goes wrong or every time, some, you know, he has an incident. He just... The next race will always remind us, you know, Charles is... He's, he's he's that guy. And I think that give him a car, give him a challenging car, the same with any of the other five that we've mentioned, he will be able to fight for the world title. Um, And I think that this year, you know, it it was a strong year and I'm hoping that he can have a better year. But for me, I just think... Charles Charles at second for me.
0: Yeah, again, this is entirely valid reasoning. Um, look, I think the stat came through the other day that uh, Charles is the first man since Hamilton in 2012 to have five pole positions in a year, despite being in the, in the third best car or lower. Um, yeah. I think he is still the very best qualifier in Formula 1. He's one of the fastest dudes over one lap that I've ever seen in this sport. Um, and like you said, give him a car, he will deliver. And... Again, I think his reputation is unwarranted for the most part about the whole, you know, he's a choker, you know, he, he makes mistakes. I'm like, He makes one mistake a year and people just completely zone in on that with Leclerc. And I think it's always been unfair. Um, I think the, the, the good of Leclerc massively outweighs the bad. He is the number one driver in this team. He's the guy that you need to build around and look, Carlos Sainz, in my opinion, is is, is, he's also a very good driver in his own right. He would be a number one guy on 70% of this grid today, you know, comfortably. He's a damn good driver. He's not Charles. And, and again, like him and the Piastri ones, I looked at this and I was like, oh, God, Leclerc at five, but I've got to put somebody at five. That's the problem. And again, our lists go to show you that you can have that spectrum of the four people between second and fifth. And I think they're all credible in my opinion. None of what you've said in that two to five block is a howler in my opinion. Um, My number two was Lewis Hamilton, as you probably have already guessed. Mm -hmm. Um, Lewis is still so good. Honestly, like Mercedes, I think this is my general opinion. I think Mercedes second in the constructors flatters them a little bit. Oh, that
1: car should not be anywhere near second place in the I, championship.
0: I think second flattered them this year. I, th- I mean, they just beat Ferrari by three points in the end. There's an argument Mercedes were not even the best team on their own power unit this year. The oh, first, no way. Like the first half of the year, Aston Martin and Alonso were stronger than them. And in the second half, you could argue it was McLaren. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because they've screwed up the least, they've ended up second, overall because i think like mercedes didn't really have any massive howlers of a week and there's a few here and there like obviously george russell kind like you mentioned earlier the austin dq with hamilton when he was running second those are unfortunate but overall they were just safe and consistent i think they were the consistent number three team in f1 but because Aston Martin had that patchy period because McLaren were terrible to start off with. And because Ferrari were all over the place to start the season um, before they seemingly found some form later on. I think that's why Mercedes have ended up second in the end, but spearhead. And that was Hamilton Hamilton. As you mentioned, 20 points finishes out of 22, one that was not on him in Austin and yeah, Qatar was the... like Qatar's about the only blemish on Hamilton's season, uh, like a proper blemish. I think Mercedes were just all over the place at the end of the season. It was very strange. Like Brazil what was that from Mercedes? They were nowhere all weekend. Like Toto couldn't believe what he was watching. He openly said Russell would have probably not made the points if they hadn't parked him because his car was overheating. Um, Vegas again, you know, George was pretty good. Hamilton. Like he, I think, I think the, he could have had Hamilton a bit low because of that end of season slide a little bit with Lewis. I think that might be why he probably had him fourth. And, you know, recency bias, it's a little bit more recent. I can understand why you had him there. I gave him the benefit of the doubt because I think the, I think his consistency over the whole year was outstanding. Um, until Qatar, he'd finished every race in the top eight. And he just, again, extracting performance, you know, getting his head down, maximizing what he had. I had Hamilton second for that reason. Again, I could only stress... That block of four is so close that, um, again, you could have gone anywhere with that. Um, I had Hamilton second, personally. Um, again,
1: very, very close. Which, yeah, I just, think Mercedes, yeah. yeah, they just... They have a tricky thing. They've got two really, really good drivers. They've got what arguably one of the best drivers to ever grace our sport, and they have a really tough hand on their job because... Eventually they're gonna to have to admit that they've not got the regulations right. They're gonna go on to their third concept in three years, every single year going into the new year with a new concept. At some stage they just have got to admit that they are not they've just not got it right. So yeah, I think Lewis P2 probably be fair looking back on it. Um I didn't want to make too many changes to the list. Um but yeah, no, Lewis had a really strong season. Hopefully he can get a win. He got a poll. It's now time to get a win.
0: Yeah, that hungry pole was 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 exceptional. That was that was that was probably the highlight of his season. Where it's just like, oh my god, um, yeah, out you know, yeah, out of nowhere, just uh, just beating Verstappen by an inch, and then him he led that race for about three hundred yards. Just oh, yeah, uh, just just, just kind of sums up his season, really, doesn't it? No, I mean it's just yeah, like yeah,
1: definitely
0: flashes of brilliance, but uh, pegged by just a car that just wasn't quite there this year. And um let's like, like, let's speak to you this way. I heard from people talking in the media that Mercedes cancelled their Christmas party because of how mad they were about how this season played out. If that oh, doesn't wow. if that doesn't motivate them for 2024 then I don't know what will. Um well, I think I think everybody here knows who our number one is. It, we all know it's Max Verstappen. Um let's just cut to the chase here. I mean, this is most likely the greatest F1 season ever seen. It, it's 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 outrageous, you know. Four sprint wins, twelve pole positions, nineteen wins out of twenty-two on the year. Absolutely obliterated his own all-time points record for a single year. Finished every single race in the top five, and there's only one fifth, and that was to Singapore. And even then, watching that race, if the if the safety cars drop at a different time, I think Max could have won that one too. Um, mm. It's it's <laughs> you have to laugh. Because it's just, it's a video game season, what you're looking at. It's the sort of thing you fire up when you're, when you're playing F-123 and you're playing at 10% AI difficulty. This is out, it's outrageous. It's otherworldly. We've never seen anything like this, and I'm not sure we ever will ever again from from a single driver in an F-1 season. I mean, I don't know how much you've got to add to that, Luke, but it's, it's just, it's absolutely
1: outrageous what we saw from Verstappen this year. I mean, yeah, I think, his, I think he had obviously broke the record for most wins in a row. And I think he then did, <clears throat> you know, I think he also did after that run um, from when he lost uh, the the race in, in Singapore, the end of the season is also an incredible run, um, which has also got himself on the leaderboard. So he's almost broken. He's broken so many records this year, 1,000 laps led, first driver to do so. Um, since 2021, he's had... one seven straight to close out the year. You gonna... Exactly. It's, he barely even blinks
0: because he had that ten race. Streak. He went four months undefeated in F one. You know how crazy yeah, that was, is. There was also <laughs> a
1: period where I think he led every single lap for like from like Miami until like a, I think Miami until maybe Silverstone or, or there was this, I can't remember the off the top of my head, but I believe a, it was ridiculous that way. Uh, yeah, every lap, I, and
0: it was it was over two hundred and fifty
1: consecutive
0: laps led. It it was just. Across weekends, that that's just. I've had two Grand Slams this season. No, which goes on, as you don't know a Grand Slam is pole, win, fastest lap, lead in every lap. It's it's for me, it's the equivalent of, of baseball's perfect game. You, you cannot be any more perfect in a race. Um, and what more can you say that hasn't already been said, Luke? It's just,
1: it is. It, it's ridiculous. It's, it's outrageous. And, um, it's one of those ones where you know. It, we'll look back on it and it's it's an unbelievable season. Um, and he was on it from the beginning, always just looked so comfortable with the car, even when the car wasn't performing at its best, like Singapore. Um, I think they struggled a little bit in Austin with the ride quality, um, but their plank was obviously legal. Um, and uh, <laughs> I think um, just absolutely mind blowing season from max um i always say this max drove really well but red bull as a whole just operationally that's the thing is that teams can catch up and bring fast cars they can bring you know they can bring the the big upgrades to challenge red bull but operationally they've got things in their back pocket um strategy pit stops just operationally they just run so well best driver car uh, car combination so um, yeah, uh, obviously I, I don't know if we'll see this exact mirrored season in 24. Um, I think from a from a you know spectacle, a couple of closer races would be a little bit nicer. Of
0: course. Um, but yeah, you have
1: to appreciate that Verstappen is just unbel it's just unbelievable, um, and yeah, you can't put anyone else at one. No matter no matter who you support.
0: There, there there is no argument. There is no logical argument for me to put anybody else other than him at number one. And like you said, I think I think it might quite possibly could be the greatest three-year run that any driver has ever had in this sport. I mean, 2021, yes, controversial ending, but still won 10 Grand Prix and had 18 podiums that season against Hamilton, the best of Hamilton in 2021. You know, 2022 wins 15 races. Breaks a, a bucket load of records, then and then he goes even further this year. I'm I'm really glad you mentioned as well the strategy department. Hannah Spitz has done a fantastic job as as, as lead strategist. Has not put a foot wrong all year, and and shout out to Calum Nicholas and the pit crew as well. Again, and out, uh, they're outstanding too. Um, for them, a bad stop is anything over three seconds. <laughs> they're just they're just so good. I think only McLaren and Ferrari are anywhere in the same league when it comes to uh when it comes to fast pit stops just in terms of overall execution and excellence from Red Bull it's about as perfect a season as you will ever see um maybe obviously you want Checo to be a bit closer um I in a, in a perfect world because yes he had his moments and he had his struggles this year but in terms of what the team the, the team has put has given their drivers the best possible platform to succeed that I have ever seen an f1 and i've been watching a long time i've never seen anything like it um again I, I would love to see a closer field next year of course who wouldn't we're all sports fans at the end of the day we uh, we want a a, bit, a little bit more competitive balance to go with our plate of dominance every once in a while um that's that sport that's natural um but again Quite for me, it's the best F1 season ever, and I'd, I'd, I'd be shocked if something comes along that's even better than this. Because just Max was a robot this year, like, he did. Like What was the biggest mistake Max made all season? What mo- not making Q3 in Singapore? That might be about it, <laughs> like, honestly. Where else did he really go wrong this year? Uh, it's just, it's, I don't it's, think he it,
1: made a mistake at all, even like in Zandvoort um, when uh, when uh, he. All the rain was coming down. He was just, he through was the pits. just there.
0: Yeah, through the pits six just, times.
1: Did, didn't even matter. Just, you know, chilling. Yeah. He, he honestly was like, and I always feel like he just, he had more in him. I feel like it, when he was actually pushed to the limit, I feel like there are times he was just holding back a little bit. Um, And I definitely feel that in a tight, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see now that Max has got another two WDCs under his belt since 2021. I'm really excited to see how he fares. In a, uh, in a title fight. And that'll do it for this episode of Hot Takes Wednesday. Just before we
0: get out of here, Luke, tell the good people where they can find you.
1: Uh, you can find me on TikTok. It's literally just my name, Luke Howick. Um, and yeah, you can follow me there. Uh, I talk about F1 News um, and the occasional funny tweets that I see. Um, so yeah.
0: You give him a bump from us. Um, he's absolutely quality, Luke, um, on TikTok and, and, the old, and the old socials in general. Um, give him a follow from me and uh, tell him tell him I said hi. Um, he's, he's he's quality. <laughs> give him give him give him a watch. Um, we'll be back next week for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. Usual procedure. So feel free to send in your takes the usual way. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the episode and uh, please DM me on Instagram and tell me how wrong my list was. Um, that would be great. Um, until next time, I've been Dre Harrison. He's been Luke Howick. Thank you very much for listening. Take care. Sign now.